Welcome to Zichud Dafsi Mad Member by Avram Gold. Hi, and today Masechus Nedarim Daf Lamed Zayin, the fourth parak in Bein Hamudar. So the three topics we're going to focus on: number one, the Mishnah Daf Lamed Hey Amen Beis Tad. Malamdo Midrash Halachas Valgados Avalo Yilamdenu Mikra. One may teach Amudar Hana Midrash Halacha and Algada, but he may not teach him Mikra. The Gemara in the previous Daf asked that just as he may not teach him Mikra without payment because the free service is a forbidden benefit, teaching him Midrash for free should likewise be forbidden. The Ran notes that the teaching itself is not deemed a benefit because Mrs. Lavlahanus need. The Mrs. were not given for their benefit. The Gemara answers that our mission is speaking where it was customary to remit payment for teaching Mikra, but not for Midrash. Because while it's permitted to receive payment for teaching Mikra, it is not in the case of Midrash. The Gemara quotes the source requiring teaching Torah for free. Moshe Beno said, See, I have taught you laws and statutes like Hashem commanded me. Expound this to teach, Just as I, Moshe, taught you for free, so too you should teach others for free. Point number two, the Gemara wonders what the difference should be between Midrash and Mikra, for just as Midrash must be taught for free, based on this Pasuk, we should say the same for Mikra. Rav answers, Schar Shimur. The mission is discussing payment for watching. The Gemara clarifies that the mission is discussing teaching Mikra to minors, who require supervision. Such payment is permitted to collect, therefore teaching at no charge would constitute a financial benefit for the student. Midrash, on the other hand, is usually taught to older children who do not require supervision, so payment is not permitted. Rav Yochan answers, Schar Pisuk Tamim. The mission is discussing payment for teaching correct cantillation notes. These are not Midrash and are thus not included in the prohibition of collecting payment for teaching Torah. The Gemara in the following Amun explains the basis of their dispute. Rav Yochan was unwilling to explain our mission based on supervision because this would not apply to girls, as they do not need supervision since they do not usually go outside. Rob rejected the explanation of payment for cantillation notes, because he held cantillation notes are actually mid the Risa, for which the Gemara proceeds to provide the source. And point number three, the Gemara poses a challenge to Rav from a Brisa. Children cannot learn new Mikra on Shabbos, but they can review it for the first time. The more reason that according to Yochanan, this is understood because since payment is for teaching cantillation notes, which is most difficult when teaching new material, payment is primarily for that session. Therefore, it cannot be taught on Shabbos since paid employment is prohibited on Shabbos. Reviewing would be permitted since he is not paid for reviewing. However, according to Rav who explained that payment is given for supervision, both types of sessions should be equally prohibited. The Gemara responds that it is actually no less difficult according to Rabbi Yochanan, because such payments are generally made by Havla, absorption meaning the pay for Shabbos is included in a lump sum for a number of days of service, which is permitted. Two other explanations of the brights for forbidding learning new material on Shabbos are presented. First, because their fathers would be reluctant to prevent their children from missing the new material taught, and their attending would detract from the father's Shabbos pleasure of spending time with their children. Secondly, because the children eat more than usual on Shabbos, they become lethargic and it would be difficult for them to learn new material. So once again, the three points are number one, the Mishnah and Dav Ramad Hayam Beis taught, Malamdo Midrash Halachas Valgados, Avalo Yalamdenu Mikra. One may teach Amudar Hana, Midrash Halacha and Agada, but he may not teach a Mikra. The more in the previous Dav asked, that just as he may not teach a Mikra without payment, because the free service is a forbidden benefit, teaching a Midrash of free should likewise be forbidden. The Ran notes that the teaching itself is not deemed a benefit because Mrs. Lavlahanus need. The Mrs. were not given for their benefit. The Gemara answers that our mission is speaking where it was customary to remit payment for teaching Mikra, but not for Midrash. Because while it's permitted to receive payment for teaching Mikra, it is not in the case of Midrash. The Gemara quotes the source requiring teaching Torah for free. Moshe Beno said, See, I have taught you laws and statutes like Hashem commanded me. Expound this to teach, 
Just as I, Moshe, taught you for free, so too you should teach others for free. Point number two, the Gemara wonders what the difference should be between Midrash and Mikra, for just as Midrash must be taught for free, based on this Pasuk, we should say the same for Mikra. Rav answers, Schar Shimur. The mission is discussing payment for watching. The Gemara clarifies that the mission is discussing teaching Mikra to minors, who require supervision. Such payment is permitted to collect, therefore teaching at no charge would constitute a financial benefit for the student. Midrash, on the other hand, is usually taught to older children who do not require supervision, so payment is not permitted. Rav Yochan answers, Schar Pisuk Tamim. The mission is discussing payment for teaching correct cantillation notes. These are not Midrash and are thus not included in the prohibition of collecting payment for teaching Torah. The Gemara in the following Amun explains the basis of their dispute. Rav Yochan was unwilling to explain our mission based on supervision because this would not apply to girls as they do not need supervision since they do not usually go outside. Rob rejected the explanation of payment for cantillation notes because he held cantillation notes are actually midderaisa, for which the Gemara proceeds to provide the source. And point number three, the Gemara poses a challenge to Rav from a brisa. Children cannot learn new mikra on Shabbos, but they can review it for the first time. The Gemara reasons that according to Yochanan, this is understood because since payment is for teaching cantillation notes, which is most difficult when teaching new material, payment is primarily for that session. Therefore, it cannot be taught on Shabbos since paid employment is prohibited on Shabbos. Reviewing would be permitted since he is not paid for reviewing. However, according to Rav who explained that payment is given for supervision, both types of sessions should be equally prohibited. The Gemara responds that it is actually no less difficult according to Rav Yochanan because such payments are generally made by Havla, absorption meaning the pay for Shabbos is included in a lump sum for a number of days of service, which is permitted. Two other explanations of the price for forbidding learning new material on Shabbos are presented. First, because their fathers would be reluctant to prevent their children from missing the new material taught and their attending would detract from the father's Shabbos pleasure of spending time with their children. Secondly, because the children eat more than usual on Shabbos, they become lethargic and it would be difficult for them to learn new material. All right, so now we go to our Simran Dalfalamid Zayin and our standard Simran is laser tag, laser tag. So here goes. The fun Rebbe who used a laser tag gun as a pointer to teach Torah for free did charge parents a small fee for supervision when teaching their children Mikra and told the fathers there was plenty of time for them to be with their children on Shabbos when no new material is taught. Once again, it's a motion. The fun Rebbe who used a laser tag gun, laser tag. That must be more tough. Lamed Zion. The fun Rebbe who used a laser tag gun as a pointer to teach Torah for free, which reminds us, the Gemara quotes the source for acquiring teaching Torah for free. Moshe Rabbeinu said, See, I've taught you laws and statutes like Hashem commanded me. We expound this to teach, Just as I, Moshe, taught you for free, so too you should teach others for free. So, the fun Rebbe who used a laser tag gun as a pointer to teach Torah for free did charge parents a small fee for supervision when teaching their children Mikra, which reminds us. The Gemara wonders what the difference is between Midrash and Mikra, for just as Midrash must be taught for free based on the Pasuk, we should say the same for Mikra. Rav answers, Schar Shimur. The mission is discussing payment for watching, referring to minors who require supervision. Such payment is permitted to collect. Midrash, on the other hand, is usually taught to older children who do not require supervision, so payment is not permitted. Rabbi Yochanan answers, Schar Pisuk Tamim. The mission is discussing payment for teaching correct cantillation notes. These are not midaraisa and are thus not included in the prohibition of collecting payment for teaching Torah. So the fun Rebbe who used a laser tag gun as a pointer to teach Torah for free did charge parents a small fee for supervision when teaching their children Mikra and told the fathers there was plenty of time for them to be with their children on Shabbos when no new material 
is taught, which reminds us. The Gemara brings a Bryce that teaches children cannot learn new Mikra on Shabbos, but they can review it for the first time. Two explanations are presented. Firstly, because their fathers would be reluctant to prevent their children from missing the new material taught, and their attending would detract from the father's Shabbos pleasure of spending time with their children. Secondly, because the children eat more than usual on Shabbos, they become lethargic, and it would be difficult for them to learn new material. So once again, the fun Rebbe who used a laser tag gun as a pointer to teach Torah for free did charge parents a small fee for supervision when teaching their children Mikra and told the fathers there was plenty of time for them to be with their children on Shabbos when no new material is taught. All right, so now we go to our four blot back Hazara. Daf Lamed Gimel. So the Simmer Daf Lamed Gimel is a pegleg pirate. So here goes. The pegleg pirate. Pegleg pirate. That must be more on Daf Lamed Gimel. The peg-legged pirate who prevented his men from giving a sack to carry fruit to his captive, who was mooder from food, which reminds us, the Gemara asks why a mooder from food would be prohibited to borrow kalim used to produce food, since he made a netter from the food itself. After the Gemara's first attempt was rejected, Rava answers that speaking about one who says, the benefit of your food is forbidden to me. Since he added the benefit, he means to include all items, including producing an edible food. Rav Papa asks, even a sack to bring food in would be included in this netter as a method of obtaining food, although it doesn't prepare the food itself. So the peg-leg pirate who prevented his men from giving a sack to carry fruit to his captive, who was mooder from food, was surprised when the captive's friend jumped on the ship to pay off his debt, which reminds us the mission states about the mooder hana, shokel is shikol, he can pay for his half shekel, pore is chobo, he can pay off his debt, umaxilo is aveda, so and he can return his lost item. The Gemara observes the we see that it's merely chasing away a line and thus prevent meaning the first two cases, paying for his half shekel and paying off his debt, are not considered a benefit received, they are merely protection from a potential loss. So, the peg-leg pirate who prevented his men from giving a sack to carry fruit to his captive, who was murdered from food, was surprised when the captive's friend jumped on the ship to pay off his debt and return the pirate's lost parrot, even though the pirate had forbidden this friend to benefit from him. Which reminds us, the Gemara records Machlokas between Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Az regarding which cases one may return a lost item to a mudra or not. The argument is in a case where the returner is prohibited from receiving benefit from the owner. One says he may not return the item in this case because while he's involved in returning the item, he's putter from other mitzvahs, including Sadaka, which potentially will save him money. The other opinion says that this potential benefit doesn't prohibit him from returning the item because it's uncommon for a beggar to come at the very moment he's tending to the lost item. Daflamidalid, so the simmer Daflamidalid is a ladder. So here goes. The man who ran up the ladder, ladder, that must be more Daflamidalid. The man who ran up the ladder to avoid his neighbor from whom he was mudur hana, and who was chasing him to return his lost item, which reminds us, the more challenges the opinion which held that the mission is only speaking of where the returner is mudur hana from the owner. For the mission states that in a place where people receive payment for returning lost items, tipo hana hektish, the payment falls to hektish if the returner refuses payment. If the mission is only speaking of where the returner is mudur hana, why does the payment have to go to hektish instead of the owner keeping it? The more remains with the question. So the man who ran up the ladder to avoid his neighbor from whom he was Mudahana and who was chasing him to return his lost item was overcome with emotion when he saw a man be Makti Shalof in his Daladamos and make sure not to be Ma'al, which reminds Rabbah said, I saw a fun of Kikr Shalhefker if an ownerless loaf was in front of him. And he said, Kikr Zohektish, this loaf should be Hektish. The Hektish takes effect. The one explains that the loaf was within his Daladamos enabling him to acquire for himself 
himself, but since he declared it a hektish, he indicated he did not want to use the Dalramos to acquire it for himself, but for hektish. If he took it to eat it, he violated Meila according to its full value, but if he took it to bequeath it to his sons, he violated Meila only according to the benefit of pleasure derived from his children's gratitude to him. So the man who ran up the ladder to avoid his neighbor from whom he was neither Hana, and who was chasing him to return his lost item, was overcome with emotion when he saw a man be mocked shall loaf in his Dalramos and make sure not to be mal. So he yelled down to his neighbor that that loaf that I made us to you I'm now giving you as a gift. Which reminds us, Rabbi Chibar Avin asked Rabbi, one said, Kikar Alech, my loaf is forbidden to you. And he gave it to his friend as a gift. What's the halacha? He explained that his query was that if the implication of my loaf meant to prohibit it only while it belonged to him, but once he gave it to his friend, it would not be included in his netter, or did he prohibit the loaf to him completely? Rava answered that he certainly intended it to remain forbidden even after gifting it, because otherwise, what purpose did he forbid the loaf to his friend? Rav Chibarabin responded that perhaps his intent was only to exclude if he invited his friend to eat the loaf with him, that he may not do so, but he did not necessarily intend to prohibit the loaf after gifting it to his friend. So the simmer is a children's choir singing la la la. So here goes. When the Nadarim boys choir, boys choir, that must be more than la la la. When the Nadarim boys choir finished their heartfelt rendition of Yesh Me'il Bakonamos, which reminds us of Rav's question to Rav Nachman, Yesh Me'il Bakonamos, or lo, is there Me'il for items forbidden by Konam or not? The Ron explains the question that if one declares that something is Konam, is it like a carbon that one uses it violates Me'ila and is Chayv in the requisite carbon in payment? So when the Nadarim boys choir finished their heartfelt rendition of Yesh Me'ila Bakonamos, the proud choir master mistakenly did Me'ila by treating him to a kikar that was made us to him and given to him as a present, which reminds us of Rav Acha Breda Rav Avia's question to Rav Ashi. If one said, Kikari Alecha, Unasana my loaf is forbidden to you, and he then gave it to him as a gift, who has violated Me'ila? If you'll say that the giver commits Me'ila by giving it, but it's not forbidden to him, the loaf is fully permitted to him for all benefits. If you'll say that the recipient commits Me'ila by accepting it, but he can say, I wanted permitted loaves, not forbidden ones. The Ron explains that the recipient can claim that he would not have accepted the loaf had he known it was prohibited, and it's therefore an acquisition made in error and should be void. So, when the Nadarim Boys Choir finished their heartfelt rendition of Yesh Me'ila Bakonamos, the proud choir master mistakenly did Me'ila by treating them to a kikra that was made usher to him and given to him as a present. So a comb gave him his card offering to be a shaliach and bring his carbon. Which reminds us, the more asked, Hanikahani Shluchid Idanhavu or Shluchid Deshamaya? These Kohanim, are there our agents in their capacity of sacrificing our karbanas or Shluchim of Shemayim? The more explains that the Nafkamina is if a comb may sacrifice a carbon for someone whose mudra had not from him. If he would be considered an agent of the owner of the carbon, he would not be allowed to sacrifice the carbon for him. The Gemara suggested a proof from our mission which stated, One may sacrifice bird offerings of Zavin for a mudra hana as well as other similar atonement carbonas. We see then that Kohanim are agents of Shemaim, for otherwise he would not be allowed to sacrifice for the owner. This answer is rejected because carbonas brought from Chusri Kapara do not require the consent of the owner to be brought. Vav. So the simmer Dafalamid Vav is a lulav. So here goes. The Luv merchant, Lulav, that must be more Daf Lamid Vav. The Luv merchant, who promised a free Luv to anyone who consented to joining us Pesach, aside from us kids who don't need to consent, which reminds us, Rabbi Zer explained that one cannot derive from the fact that one can register his children on the carbon Pesach without their consent, that he can register a friend on his Pesach without his consent, for Seleves Avos love Derisa, the law of a lamb for each father's house, is not Derisa for minors, since they can partake of the Pesach without registration. There is no basis to permit the registration of an adult without his consent. 
So the Lulav merchant, who promised a free Lulav to anyone who consented to joining us Pesach, aside from his kids who don't need to consent, was surprised by the man who took truma from his own produce to permit our friend's tava. Which reminds us, the Gemara asks, one who separates truma from his own produce on his friend's tava produce permitted. Does he need his friend's consent or not? Do we assume the owner would want his produce permitted without his having to use his own produce and his consent would not be required? Or might he prefer to do the mitzvah himself even at the cost of using his produce for truma? So the Lulav merchant who promised a free Lulav to anyone who consented to joining as Pesach, aside from his kids who don't need to consent, was surprised by the man who took truma from his own produce to permit a friend's tevel. And then tell the merchant that if he gave him a free wolf, he'd give the truma to his co grandson. Which reminds us of Rabbi Yirmi's question to Rabbi Zera. If one separated truma from his own produce to permit his friend's table produce, tobas hana shall meet. To whom does the benefit of pleasure belong? Meaning, which of the two determines to which Cohen to give the truma? Alright, so now it's time to conclude their pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do we have the question whether there's me'ila with konamos or not? That's on Duff. Lamed hey, good. Number two. Which stuff do you learn if an ownerless loaf was in the Dalada Amos of someone and he said, Kikarzo hektish, this loaf should be hektish. The hektish takes effect. That's on Duff. Lamed Dalad. Good. Number three. Which stuff do we learn? Selavase Avos registering on a carbon Pesach is not a derisive for minors. That's on Duff. Lamed Vav. Good. Number four. Which of the one, the reason one may teach Mikra for a fee is either Schar Shimur, supervision, or for teaching the Trop. That's on Duff. Lamed Zayin. Good number five. Which stuff do the question? Are Kahan Mishluchim of ours or of Shemaim? That's on Duff. Lamed Hey. Good number six. Which stuff do we discuss? Why a Mudra Hanaf from food is prohibited to borrow utensils used to produce food? That's on Duff. Ahmed Gimel. Good number seven. Which stuff did we learn just as Moshe Benu taught the Torah for free, so should we teach the Torah for free? That's on Duff. Ahmed Zayn. Good number eight. Which stuff do we discuss what we learn from the Gematria's 172 and 248 regarding Avram Avinu? That's on Duff. Ahmed Bays. Good number nine. Which stuff do we have the question whether one can take truma from his produce to permit his friend's tevel without getting his consent? That's on Duff. Ahmed Vav, good at number 10. Which of they learned that no new material is taught to children on Shabbos either so the fathers can spend time with their children or that eating makes them more lethargic? That's on Duff. Ahmed Zayn, excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Abraham Golden Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.